0: This morning we're going to be looking at a spiritual harvest, a spiritual harvest. Many of you know about the Lord Jesus Christ raising a man, raising him up, he'd been dead for four days, I think many of you know about him, what's his name, what was his name, Lazarus, yeah, you know about Lazarus, Jesus raised him up to life, Lazarus had been dead for four days and we're told that his body began to sink. In other words, he was beginning to go through decomposition, decay. And yet Jesus, he turned back the clock when he raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. That was it. Lazarus, come forth. The dead man heard the voice of Jesus and he rose from the dead. tells you something about the power in The voice of Jesus. Jesus speaks and it is done. This morning we're going to spend some time considering the Lord Jesus Christ raising people up from death to life. Not physical death to physical life as he did with Lazarus. But rather spiritual death to spiritual and everlasting life. First of all we can consider being spiritually dead look at John chapter 5 I'm going to read verses 24 through to 26 Jesus speaking and he says verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, have everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. (coughs) Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father have life in himself so have he given the Son to have life in himself. It needs to be clearly understood by all of us that we all come into this world physically alive, but spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. With that understanding, it will be seen that when Jesus talks about passing from death to everlasting life in our verses, He was talking about being raised up from spiritual death because we come into this world spiritually dead. Concerning spiritual deadness, it has been pointed out that there are many kinds of life, vegetable life, animal life, moral life, spiritual life, that's the one we're concerned with at the moment, the spiritual life. A person might be alive in one sense, but dead in another. Socially dead, I think that's me a lot of the time, socially dead. Or psychologically dead. Yet it is a real death, nonetheless. The most vital part of man's personality, the spirit, is dead to the most important factor in life. And that is God. Not in a moral sense, not in a mental sense, but in a spiritual sense. Poor humanity is dead when it comes to the things of God. I know that that is a most unflattering reality for you to accept. Me telling you that you come into this world spiritually dead. And that your natural born condition is one of being spiritually dead. Especially when so many people in the world wrongly imagine themselves to be spiritual giants. How many times do I hear people banging on about how spiritual they are, what spiritual giants they are, when the reality is that the Bible teaches that they're spiritually dead. A lot of people think they're spiritually alive and they're dead. The Bible also tells us why we're born spiritually dead. Why is it that we come into the world spiritually dead? In his epistle to the church in Rome, the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, By one man, and that man was Adam, sin entered the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all Have sinned. There you have it. All have sinned. And it therefore it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You can trace it all the way back there to our first parents in the Garden of Eden. When sin entered the world and death by sin. Ever since then everyone has been born into the world with a sinful nature. That was something that King David of Israel acknowledged about himself. When he said in Psalm 51 and verse 5. Behold I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. An acknowledgement from David the sweet psalmist of Israel. That even in conception he had a sinful nature. The only exception to that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was born without sin. But it, it is a tough one for some people to understand. I can remember when I was in training to be a, a missionary in London, I dared to raise the fact to my, the, the person who was delivering the lecture that we are conceived in sin. And he dismissed it. He dismissed it straight away. He was the one who was teaching us and he said we become sinners. But the Bible teaches otherwise. We come into this world as natural born sinners. Cute little babies but cute little sinners nevertheless. Secondly, Jesus raises people up to spiritual life or to life right now. Jesus raises people up to life right now. Look again at verses 24 and 25 and look at the present tense in those two verses as I read them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. We need a bit of context here. In the previous verses, I read to you the previous verses earlier, the Jews wanted to kill Jesus, because he dared to heal someone on the Sabbath day, as if that was such a terrible thing to do. Jesus was merely showing compassion. His heart was filled with compassion for someone. And also, um, um, in most significantly, Jesus was showing himself to be the promised Messiah, the Son of God. When he healed the impotent man. Jesus answered his enemies by saying, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. This is what he said to these Jews who wanted to kill him. My father worketh hitherto and I work. They rightly understood that those words were a declaration by Jesus of his divinity, that he is God. And so they were even more determined to destroy him. Jesus made no apologies to them. Instead, he made various other statements that declared his divinity and his equality with the Father, with his Father. As we read what Jesus said to them, just ask yourself, as we're going through a few verses again, ask yourself, who other than God could legitimately say such things? Can an angel say these things? Can I say these things? Keep that in your mind as we're reading it. Look at verse 19 again. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the father do. For what things soever he doeth, that's the father, these also doeth the son likewise. They rightly understood those words. To be well Jesus' rather, when he said those words, you can think of the closeness of the relationship that Jesus has with his father. How close is it in in john 's gospel in chapter one? John the apostle says that the only begotten son is in the bosom of the Father, that speaks of the closeness of the relationship that the Lord Jesus Christ has with his Heavenly Father in the bosom of the Father. So when Jesus says in verse 19, Verily, verily I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, well, of course not. He's one with the Father. Why would he ever do anything apart from his father? The Son who is in the bosom of the Father. It would be out of the question for Jesus to do anything apart from his Father. But also it says in verse 19, What things soever he, that is the Father, doeth, these things also doeth the Son likewise. Again, can an angel in heaven say that? Whatever the Father doeth, I do likewise. Can any of you say that? Can I say that? And the answer has to be no. Jesus can only say that because he is truly God. Then look at verse 21. For as the father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, quickeneth means to make alive. As the father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. Jesus was speaking about his power to raise people up from the dead. Whoever he wants to, just as his father does. No one else can say that. No angel can say that. And none of us can say that. Verse 23 needs to be heard by everyone who denies that Jesus is God. Look at verse 23. That all men should honour the son even as they honour the father. He that honoureth not the Son, honoureth not the Father which have sent him. Jesus is to receive equal honour and veneration to that which is given to his Father. That is a declaration of his divinity. Jesus makes it crystal clear that he really is God the Son, and as such he is equal with his Father in power and power. And in glory. With that in mind, we'll now look again at verses 24 and 25. With that in firmly in your, entrenched in your mind that Jesus is very God. Look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me have everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was talking about His power to raise dead people to everlasting life. But as you can see in verse 24, He was talking about everlasting life in the present tense. For example, in verse 24, Jesus speaks of people who have passed from death to life as having everlasting life, present tense. And in verse 25, Jesus spoke of the present time when he said, the hour is coming and now is, and now is. So what we're looking at concerning dead people being raised up to everlasting life, by the Son of God, is relevant to us right now, because it's present tense. And that takes us on to our next consideration, which is being raised up to spiritual life. Being raised up to spiritual life. In his epistle to the Christians in Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey, there's an acknowledgement from the Apostle Paul that he... And they, the Ephesian Christians, had been spiritually dead. But he doesn't stop there. That would be terrible, wouldn't it? And There'd be no encouragement in that at all if he simply said to them, you and I were spiritually dead. He goes on. He also spoke about he and they being raised up to spiritual life. But that's something, isn't it? The Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament scriptures, Acknowledged that he had been spiritually dead. Just like David in Psalm 51. Acknowledging that he was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did his mother conceive him. And the Apostle Paul. He said to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 and 5. God who is rich in mercy. For his great love. Wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins, there we go, dead in sins, have quickened us, made us alive, together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and have raised us up together, raised us up to life together, and made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. That really is something, not only had Paul and the Ephesians been raised up, they'd been quickened, but also As people who were in Christ, they were said to be seated in heavenly places. Despite the fact that they were still very much in the world. But isn't that how it is with all of you dear people who are in Christ Jesus? Having been raised up to spiritual life, you are now seated in the heavenlies. In Christ Jesus. Your savior and your God. Even though you're here, impaled right now in this church, you're seated in the heavenlies in Christ. You're no longer dead in your sins. You're with Jesus, where He is seated in Him, in the heavenlies, with Him in the heavenlies with Jesus, who himself laid down his life, and then he rose triumphantly on the third day, and he ascended into heaven, where he is now seated at the right hand of the Father, the Majesty on High. And you, dear Christian, are with Jesus, seated in the heavenlies, no less. I almost dare not say these things. I really am standing on holy ground when I suggest to say to you that we're seated in the heavenlies. But this is what the apostle Paul says. This is what the scriptures say. If that seems far fetched to you, being seated, quickened, made alive, and seated in the heavenlies, then think again. As a Christian, you are. A new creature of a new creation in Christ. Again, that's scripture. You are safe in His hand, that is in the hand of Jesus, and also you are safe in the hand of the Father. Safe in the hand of Jesus. Safe in the hand of the Father. Where is Jesus and where is His Father? In heaven. And you're safe in their hands. Perhaps now you can see that not only are you alive in Christ, but you are seated where he is in heavenly places. And perhaps you can see how utterly ridiculous it is to imagine, like so many Christians, that you can lose your salvation. If you have been raised up to spiritual and everlasting life, and you are seated in the heavenlies in Christ, That doesn't change. There's no reverse on that. There's no going back on it. So many Christians seem to think that they can lose their salvation. It simply isn't scriptural to believe that. And you thank God now and forevermore. Jesus said in John chapter 10. He... he, he, John chapter 10, Jesus declares himself to be the good shepherd and Christians are his sheep. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. That's a Christian. I give unto them everlasting life and they shall never perish. Would you argue with that? This is the words of Jesus. Safe forevermore. You may well ask how it is that people are raised up from spiritual deadness to spiritual life. So much so that they sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus their Lord. Looking at verse 24, Jesus spoke about hearing his word. Similarly, in verse 25, Jesus spoke about hearing his voice. So hearing his word, hearing his voice. Same thing. You hear his voice when you hear the word of God. We've already considered just how powerful the voice of Jesus is. It was powerful enough to raise Lazarus from from physical death to physical life even though Lazarus had been dead for four days. Well, even now, that powerful voice can be heard where? Where can we hear the voice of Jesus? The voice that raised Lazarus from the dead. We hear it in the scriptures, in the Bible. And those of you who hear the voice of Jesus in the scriptures are raised up to everlasting life. But not everyone has ears to hear, do they? As the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter, chapter 1 and verse 23, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. We're born again by the word of God, which liveth and abideth for ever. Similarly, James, in his epistle, he says, of his own will begat he us with the word of God. We were born again with the word of God, says James. Therefore, God raises up spiritually dead sinners to everlasting spiritual life through his word, which is truth. It is the word of Christ. And who is Christ? He is the truth. Jesus said of himself, I am the way and the truth and the life. And what I loved about the Bible ever since I became a Christian is that in this world of sin and deceit, a world that spins on an axis of lies and deception, a world where you really can't believe what you hear, especially from our politicians, of course. But don't get me started. But when you open up the scriptures, you're opening up to pure, unadulterated truth. If you want pure truth, it's in here, it's in the Bible, where Jesus speaks to people. Furthermore, as as can be seen in verse 24, the person who has everlasting life is he who hears the word of Christ and believes on him that sent him. So you're hearing, but also believing. You can't separate the two. Hearing the word of God and believing in God who sent him, who sent Jesus. Hearing the word of Christ and believing... A lot of people hear, don't they, when they read the scriptures, but they're not, they don't believe. As I said earlier, they don't have ears to hear, their hearts haven't been open to attend to the things that are said in the scriptures, and it doesn't really ever hit the mark in a saving way. Some people can read the scriptures for many, many years, and it won't have that effect on them. But others, it is. The word of God, they are saved by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. (laughs) Believing in God, who sent the Lord Jesus Christ, includes believing that God spared not his son, but delivered him to the cross. And that God laid upon his son your iniquity, dear Christian. I'm speaking to you Christians, he... God, the Father, laid upon his Son your iniquity. I've said before, all this stuff about you laying your sins upon Jesus, utter nonsense, you didn't do anything. You were dead in your sins. Uh, Besides which, Jesus, he he laid down his life 2,000 years ago. And when that happened, it was God... The Father who laid your sins, your iniquity upon his Son. And so you believe that. When you hear the word of God, you do so believing that God sent his Son into the world and laid upon him your sins. Fourthly, there's a harvest of souls. The quickening or raising up to everlasting spiritual life of people who are dead in their sins can be likened to a harvest. The harvest is entirely due to the sacrificial death of Jesus, followed by his triumphal resurrection from the dead. You don't have to turn to it, but as Jesus said in John chapter 12 and verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Imagine that corn of wheat falling into the ground and bringing forth much fruit. Jesus is that corn of wheat that fell into the ground and died. And when he sacrificially laid down his life for sin, that is when he was cast into the ground. Just weeks after the resurrection and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ to heavenly glory, some of the precious fruit of that corn of wheat that was sown into the ground was seen on the day of Pentecost. According to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2 and verse 41, about 3,000 repentant souls were baptised and were added to the church. So even on the day of Pentecost, just weeks after that corn of wheat was sown into the ground, 3,000 souls were added to the church. You see the fruit of that harvest at Pentecost. Even in our gathering here this morning, there is fruit that has been brought forth by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I refer, of course, to each one of you who is crucified with Christ and raised up to spiritual and everlasting life in your risen Saviour. You are people who, by the grace of God, now believe that Jesus rose from the dead having been wounded at the cross for your transgressions. You believe that he was bruised for your iniquities. You hear Jesus in the scriptures and you believe that God sent him into the world to pay the debt of your sin. All your filthy sin, the whole load of sin, was laid upon Jesus by God. Speaking from my own experience, I can clearly remember When I was first aware that God was drawing me to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone who had never had any interest in God before. wasn't that long ago, I was in my thirties. I spent hours at a time hearing the voice of the Son of God as I read his word, the Bible. I was a student, I didn't have much else to do at the time. I did what most students do. I was at home instead of being at lectures, but I spent hours reading the Bible and hearing the voice of the Son of God. That word which is pure, unadulterated truth. And by the grace of God, I believed that God so loved me that he sent his only begotten Son into the world, to redeem me and to reconcile me to himself by the shedding of that precious blood. And now all these years later, the life I now live in the flesh, having been raised up to spiritual life in Jesus, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. One might say that that As I read my nice new Bible all those years ago, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Finally, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Are you spiritually dead, or are you spiritually alive? I'm asking you a question that you can actually answer. I'm not being unfair. Are you spiritually dead, or are you alive spiritually? In other words, do you hear the voice of the Son of God? Do you believe in God? who sent him specifically where it is written for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life do you believe that as a consequence of God giving his only begotten son to be lifted up to die on a cross bearing away sin that Jesus took away your sins When he was nailed to that cross. See you can answer that one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. Amen. Amen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing that ye may, may abound in hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen.